welcome back to the Conspiracy Club. We're glad that you've joined us. I'm your host and former world champion, Emir, and I'm joined by the Scott Hall, to my Kevin Nash, Tommy Janetti, also known as TJ. What up? But we're talking about wrestling this week, folks, so get ready. So make sure you grab a copy of the minutes so you can follow along with Tom and I as we dive back into the wacky, carny world of professional wrestling. Following my episode through time, I know I said we were going to talk about Patty Hearst, but I realized that Tom's next few episodes were going to be kind of bulky. So I went with something fun and something I loved, which is pro wrestling. So I chose one story that I think non-wrestling fans would find interesting and at some points deranged. But that's exactly what wrestling is backstage, especially back in the 70s to the 2000s. I hope I can turn this into a recurring series because there are a lot of stories in wrestling I would love to tell. But let's get into this one first. So you grew up, as we uh, established with the, um, was that? Ben, with the Benoit episode, you grew up enjoying wrestling. Yep. But this is, is this before then you were watching? Uh, no. This okay. is, so, I was a kid and I didn't know this happened, but I was watching when this happened. I was going to say, I, I did not grow up watching wrestling. I grew up playing the game, so I'm a little familiar with it. Um, but I'm hoping that your inclusion of it on Conspiracy Club means that it's crazy enough for people that are non-wrestling fans to also get a kick out of. Oh, yeah. There's a lot that goes on in this this story. Let's start our first of many stories, hopefully. The infamous event known as The Plane Ride from Hell. Tom, are you ready? Hell yeah. I said, are you ready? Actually, I changed my mind. I'm not. What the fuck, dude? That was all. That that was all caps in the script, and I and I'm I'm, I'm scared now. Come on, man. You're supposed to go with the hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, let's get into it then. Our story starts on May 5th, 2002, in which the WWE chartered a commercial flight for its wrestlers to go home following a tour of England, which included the May 4th show, Insurrection which is a show they used to do as a special show in the UK. Many accounts of the event says that the wrestlers were pretty boozed up before the flight because of a one hour time delay. Side note, wrestlers especially around this time were known for drinking and doing drugs because of the tiring schedule that they are forced to work in the WWE. So giving them any type of delay or free time isn't a smart thing to do. But back to the story. By the time of takeoff, many wrestlers were under the influence of drugs and alcohol. So imagine you have a bunch of drugged up and boozed up guys several thousand feet in the sky. If that doesn't sound like a disaster to you, I don't know what is. But this is the background and context for all the following events we are going to talk about on this flight. I can only imagine where this is going to go because wrestlers are also... You know, they're when they're performing, they have like over-the-top personalities and performances, and they're huge guys. There's got to be a lot of testosterone on this flight already, and then you add drugs and alcohol into the mix. This is going to be literally what you said—a plane ride from hell. 
and usually steroids too. What, what, but allegedly, allegedly steroids. Allegedly. Now, is this like, are they on like a normal flight or is this like a private one just for them? Well, I'm about to get into that right now. So let's do it. To provide further context, whenever the WWE flew its performers back to the States following a tour overseas, Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWE, would charter an entire plane. So that meant that everyone, including the camera guys, performers, costume designers, announcers, and etc., etc., would be on a private 747. Now, for normal people, that would be fine. But throw a bunch of testosterone-filled men after a long, grueling tour in an open bar. And man, you are just asking for disaster. And disaster is exactly what almost happened. Oh, and just to add on, most of the guys on the flights are alcoholics. So this is like putting a crackhead in a crack house. It's a brave move, but let's see if it works out. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Oh, God. So they have their own flight. I can't admit. I don't know. I haven't decided yet if that's worse or better. Because maybe if it's not their own, like, private flight, then maybe they'll be, like, try to be respectful for everybody else. But since it's all theirs, I can only imagine the door's about to get blown off this thing. Oh, man. Yes. Um, I don't know what would be better in this case. I feel like them having their own flight caused a lot of the problems that happened but also i am ex- i am ecstatic that no one else was on this plane except for them you know yeah I, I can only imagine what's about to ensue but all right let's let's start to get into the some more context for the flight before we get into the actual event wrestler x fox said that everyone was doing ghb also known as gamma hydrobuic acid in his book Planes, pills, and spinning dicks, which is the same drug that killed wrestler Chris Adams that one day we will do on Conspiracy Club, but was also common use for wrestlers because of its effects, which affects the brain by being a date rape drug or a club drug. Its positive effects are tranquility, euphoria, and a heightened sex drive, but if you throw alcohol into that mix, all hell breaks loose. Man, a heightened sex drive too. <laughs> about to try and do an orgy plane <laughs> no that didn't happen but uh but no that didn't happen stuff did happen but ghb was really common in the wrestling community at this time because uh you it kind of worked as like a workout pill also i don't know how to explain it but it caused a lot of people to go kind of crazy with it like you know the rape drug drug fill but what alcohol, which most people would do back then, especially wrestlers, they would mix their pills with alcohol. It would cause them like a lot of problems, like some of them leading to death, which is like, for example, Miss Elizabeth, which is another one we'll do at some point, who was with Randy Savage. But, uh, oh, and X-Pac, oh, wait, no, yeah. So this is what X-Pac says happened. X-Pac is a former member of DX, former member of the NWO, wink, wink. And many other uh, factions, but yeah, GHB was hella common, and it was legal in the UK at the time. So guys were getting it at the healthcare store before they left. GHB was legal in the UK, so literally all you had to do was go to the healthcare store and then grab some and then get on the plane. How do they sell a date rape drug at the healthcare store for well, anybody to get? 
it, I feel like it's only a date rig drug if you take too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's weird. It's really weird. It's really weird. But that was just another addition of context onto what everyone mentally is at before this flight. So let's get into it. I feel like normally people want to like calm down before they get on a flight. Take it easy. Pop a Zanny if you're doing drugs. Something like that. (laughs) This one this one is like, let's get fucking hyped up before we jump on this this huge seven forty seven. Well, maybe it was relaxing for them because you gotta think they had just did a long, you know, UK tour. They need a little bit of, a little bit of sleep, sleep, or a little bit of hanging out. So this is what happens. They didn't know I it was guess. gonna be open bar before they got on the flight. I mean, they kind of could have assumed, but I don't know. But it's an open bar; you have to partake. That's what I'm saying. If you're a wrestler and you have an alcohol addiction, let's get into all the shit that happened on this plane ride. It all starts with Scott Hall, who was a known drug addict and alcoholic, who was fresh back into the WWE in 2002 following the collapse of WCW. Hall, who was one of the original three of the legendary wrestling group, the NWO, wink wink, was bought in with the original three of Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and himself. Because in storyline, Vince wanted to eject a lethal dose of poison into the WWE because he was forced to share his company with Ric Flair. The reason he chose the NWO is because a lot of people in real life blamed the idea of the NWO for killing WCW, which it kind of did. But at this point in Scott Hall's life, he was at his max addiction. So Scott was the first person at the open bar, which opened the doors of hell. Oh man, this is where it begins with Scott Hall. Scott Hall, he's in. He starts it. He starts like, it all. He's like, is that an open bar? That's exactly what he's like. Is that a? Is is hey yo? This is, this is free. Is it? This all right, is make free, it a double. Okay? Yeah, I'll, when I tell you, Scott Hall was fucked up, man. I mean, at this point, he was bad, very bad. Like he was. Ooh, we. He just got clean not too long ago. Oh, he's, he survived all yeah. this stuff? Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah, no. No one dies. Whew. But he did. He just got clean like maybe two, three years ago. Thanks to wrestler DDP. Wow, DDP this was 2002. So, two, so that means he was, he was fucked up for a decade or more. Longer than a decade. He was fucked up since like the, the fucking 80s when he accidentally killed that guy. But, oh. uh... <laughs> So somebody does die. Uh, back okay. This is before he became a wrestler. I'm just gonna give you the short version because one day I want to do that story too. He was a rust. He was a bouncer at a club and he accidentally killed a guy. Is yeah. He beat the shit out of him. I don't know how to explain it. I'll explain. And then, it. And then Vince McMahon is like, hell yeah. No, Vince wasn't the one who said hell yeah at first. I think he had did something else and he had did the uh. The circuits around because that was back when everyone had territories. This is before the WWE was big. Even in the 70s, I think this is when Vince's dad was in charge, uh, Vince Sr. But then when uh, 
around 80, that's when Vince brought him in because Vince had taken over from his father. And then, yeah, the rest is history. Then he leaves WWE and goes to WCW. But, yeah, Hall was later joined by Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, who was also fresh back in the WWE following the close of WCW, in which the two of them began spraying shaving cream on various passengers, which ain't that bad. You're right. That's not that bad. I mean, that's like probably a little annoying maybe, but you're like, eh, shaving cream, that'll get washed out. That's pretty easy. You get wiped off. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, you can get that, but it gets way worse from here. Enter Michael Hayes, former member of the legendary group, the Freebirds. By this point though, he had joined the front office of the WWE and he was seated next to wrestler JBL. Now Hayes is another infamous alcoholic and racist. But that, my friends, is a story for another time. But Hayes began to harass JBL, who had suffered a bad cut to his head while on the tour. For some reason, Hayes decides to punch JBL in the head, so a fight breaks out, and JBL knocks Hayes out cold. Wow. Yep. That escalated quickly. It escalated very quickly. For some reason, he just decides to punch him right in the head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right on that scar. And then JBL knocked him out. Which is ironic because JBL's also a dick, so it's kind of like I didn't really feel bad. But It's kind of funny that he's like punches the dude in the head and then just gets his he gets lit up. Hayes had, like I said, he joined the front office by that point. He's still in WWE front office to this day, but uh, JBL is also retired uh, recently. Not too long ago. Probably like... Says six, seven years since he's retired. But yeah, he knocks Hayes out cold. Ironically, in the future, JBL gets knocked out cold by an <laughs> announcer because he was bullying him. It's how funny, how funny is wrestling? That's another What's story. also interesting is as I would expect that uh, if somebody's fighting, gonna initiate this fighting, I would not expect it to be a member of the front office. I would expect it to be a one of the wrestlers. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you'll understand what type, what type of front office guy Michael Hayes was when we get into this little bit here. So, to add further insult to injury, someone on the plane cut Hayes' magnificent ponytail off while he was unconscious and posted it in the raw locker room the next day. Many believe X-Pox did it because he was known to rib on the boys, which is an insider carny term for pranks. Some also say Michael Hayes almost peed on Vince McMahon's wife, Linda McMahon, at some point during the flight. However, this is where Hayes exits our story. Dude, when you said he had a ponytail, I knew everything I needed to know about him. Yep, Hayes has one of the most magnificent ponytails in wrestling, but that son of a bitch got cut off that day. It got cut off. It's grown. It has never grown back to where it was, but yeah. But also, yeah, Michael Hayes almost peed on Vince McMahon's wife during the flight, too. Dude, can you imagine Vince McMahon, like, getting this private plane for his wrestlers and then being like, I have to sit with them now? Exactly. Yeah. This sucks. <laughs> but also, it was like, Linda McMahon, look how far she's come. She got to uh, be in Trump's cabinet. Did she really? Yeah. Oh God! I forgot what she was in charge of. She's resigned, but I forgot what she she was in charge of something in his cabinet. I can look it up real quick. And she was in the Senate. I'm pretty sure for a bit. 
Linda, what? yeah, she turned her years in wrestling into something else, you know? Which uh, a lot of people say she's, like, the reason why they kind of shifted to, like, the PG thing. Also with Chris, uh, Chris McMahon. But, yeah. She served as the administrator of small business. Okay. For the Trump cabinet. And then uh, she also ran for sent. Well, she ran for Senate and lost. She ran for the Senate a few times and lost. But then she got to be in Trump's cabinet. Well, I guess that's a, a win for her. Maybe. Either that or it's a big fat L. Yeah, but like, think about it. Like, it's Vince McMahon's wife, and she's in the White House cabinet. Like, that's a win. Yeah, that's a win. It's a win for Vince for sure. Yeah, and now she has stuff to do. So when he cheated on her, it'd be okay. <laughs> Next, we're gonna talk about the Nature Boy Ric Flair's part in this story. Woo! Flair, who is another known alcoholic, began to walk around the plane in only his ring robe and flashed all the female flight attendants. He even performed a move that he allegedly called the helicopter dick. Oh, I'm familiar with the move. (laughs) I I feel like there's so much shit that happened in, like, this time. How did... If this happened now, those people would not have a career at all. Oh, yeah, dude. Thank God for them not having, like, social media heavy. Because, like... The tweets would have came flying out. Like Rick, you got he would have been Michael canceled Hayes immediately. For sure, you got Michael Hayes getting into a fight. You got Ric Flair walking around in his ring robe with nothing on under it and, and helicopter dicking around. You know, that's absolutely insane. Yeah, there's a there's a lot. There's a lot. Was he old at but, this point too? Yeah, Rick was probably in his. He was probably. 50s late 50s mid late late 50s i'll say early 60s by 2002 okay i'm i would assume you know because rick flair is like fucking 100 now and he was a fucking adult in the in the 70s man you know dude i always that's what i gauge it by imagine being having to be the flight attendant on on this flight i would have jumped out (laughs) Flair, okay. Flair was born in uh, 1949. He was in his, like, 50s when this happened. He's 70 now, so he's in his 50s, probably. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't... Uh, yeah, the flight attendant, this sucks for them, but it just gets even worse for them. So, two of the flight attendants were go on to sue Ric Flair in 2004 for sexual aggression, in which they claim that Flair walked around in a jeweled cape spinning his penis around. He then separately grabbed each woman's hand and forced it onto his crotch. One flight attendant named Heidi Doyle, who's one of the two women in the lawsuit, with the other one being Tara Lynn Capilano, claimed that Flair then forcibly detained and restrained Doyle from leaving the back of the galley of the plane while he, Flair, sexually assaulted her. Scott Hall was also accused of licking Doyle's face, and told her, allegedly, that he wanted to lick her vaginal area. Of course, he didn't say that, but I'm going to be mature for a bit and just keep it at that. I'm going to tell you, this just stopped being, uh, this just stopped being funny. <laughs> it, this is the point where it was like, alright, 
You guys are fucked. But yeah, so Ric Flair allegedly grabs this woman, uh, sexually assaults her. Uh, Scott Hall comes to like, look, I want to lick that, you know, that meow. And she was like, whoa. But announcer Jen Ross will go on to say that Hall did nothing, but wrestler Goldust or Dustin Runnels also allegedly told Doyle that me and you are going to fuck. Did they win their case? No. They didn't win? Oh, my God. No, okay. Uh, They settled out. Okay, well. They settled out of court. Uh, See, uh, Flair to this day denies that he did it. They they settled out. They dropped it, and I'm pretty sure they dropped him a a chunk of change, and then it kind of... It went away. That's insane. It's insane that Ric Flair is like a wrestling legend and people haven't just like fucking taken him out of the history books if this is true. Oh, dude, And assuming they settled that. out of court, it's probably true. Mm-hmm. Flair's on his like seventh wife too at this point. Like not at this point, but in real life. There's a lot of Ric Flair stories. A lot of them. But yeah. Man. Wrestlers can... For some reason, wrestlers... Get away with a lot of stuff, especially from back then. But mostly they were all coked up and shit. But yeah, it's weird. At what point? Sometimes. What I say? At what point do you think they were like this? This open bar was a bad idea. Oh, fucking in the beginning, dude. I would say that. Watch there. As soon as the shaving cream was getting sprayed everywhere, they're like, "Oh, we fucked up," and then it just only yeah. fucking went downhill. They were like, "Holy shit!" But. Let's get into Goldust's part of the story. Goldust's ex-wife, Terry Runnels, was also on the plane, in which he allegedly began to serenade her over the plane's intercom. But luckily, Jim Ross stepped in and made him get off the intercom. So it's starting to get a little better. That's certainly not as bad as that last passage you read. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now we're like, we, we leave Flair and his, you know, Doings and we get to Goldust. His ex-wife's on the plane, which I feel like is a mistake. But she was also like a valet still at this point. But I, I do feel valets in wrestling are like the girls that come out with them and shit, you know? Okay. But uh her him and Gold her and Goldust had got married in real life. They also made it a storyline, but then they got divorced. They have a child together and shit. But yeah, so that happened. And then Jim Ross like, hey, get the fuck off the mic. But hey, man, you never know. Maybe if, maybe if, if he let him keep serenading her, that shit never, nothing else that occurred after this point would have happened. Oh, maybe. Does Jim Ross step in later when some shit starts to go down? Or is he like, oh, fuck, I, I'm, uh, I'm punching way above my, my weight. A few people attempt to, but once I tell you the names that are involved in the next part, man, ain't no breaking that shit up. But now you may be wondering, is that where our story ends? Well, the answer to that question is no. Remember earlier in the story when I talked about Mr. Perfect, well, being not so perfect? Because he was about to turn this hell ride into a possible tragedy, so let's get into it. The most terrifying incident starts here. Kurt Heading, for some reason, decides to challenge Brock Lesnar. Yes, that Brock Lesnar, 
former UFC champion, but this is before that point, NCAA uh, Division I champion. He challenged him to an amateur wrestling match in the aisles of the plane. Seems like there's not even close to enough room for any kind of wrestling match in the aisles of any plane. No. But these guys, they get it going. Hennig's like, come on, Brock, let's fucking do it. Lesnar's like, you really? All right. And let's do it. Let's, let's, let's. Here's what happens. Lesnar takes Hennig down, but Hennig refuses to stay down. So an amateur wrestling match that started out as friendly competition turns into a full-on fight in which the two of them roll into the emergency exit, almost knocking it open and killing every person on that plane. Luckily, they were broken up by Dave Friendly, Triple H, uh, and Paul Heyman. Xbox says that the WWE made a bigger deal out of it than it actually was because at that altitude, the door cannot be opened. Also, ironically, this wasn't the first time a wrestling match like this took place on a plane. On the plane before, Kurt Angle and Vince McMahon had a takedown tournament. Side note, yes, Vince McMahon is that crazy to think he can beat an Olympic gold medalist in a takedown match. But when Hennig and Lesnar did it, they turned into a big deal, says X-Pac. Yikes. That is big ol' yikes. Do you think the pilots are like, holy fucking shit, we gotta put this thing down immediately? Dude, if I was a pilot, I would have been put this. I would have been like, we're just gonna land. <laughs> we're gonna land in a field. We're gonna, we're gonna land somewhere. Yeah, dude, now they're wrestling in the aisle. Uh, they almost, they roll into the uh, emergency door, almost opening it. Exposed look that couldn't happen, dude. I don't know, man. Shit could have happened. That son of a bitch could have bust open and you could have went flying out of there and been dead meat. Could you imagine what the what would it, what what the story would look like if that happened? Can you imagine dude, could you imagine the, the whole narrative would not even then you couldn't even know about all the stuff that Ric Flair and all the other guys did. Nope, it would be like, oh my god, all these guys died. That's oh, tragic. Man. Yeah, no, none of that would have. It would have changed. But that's like, I feel like this story was. This is one of the stories of wrestling where it's like, it's not gigantic only because, like I said, it was two thousand two. We didn't have. Uh, any type of social media really yet so like it, a lot of it got swept under a rug because back then they were like wwe was really good at just sweeping shit under the rug like a lot of the shit if any of this shit happened now everyone would have been fired on this flight and also like heavy repercussions they, like they would have lost sponsors and shit but like following like the crispin wall thing they really cleaned up a lot of shit even though recently because recently uh, one of the Usos, which is a tag team, they're the sons of Rikishi, and hit and that fat ass. But uh, uh, they one of them got to, got a DUI, and like everyone was making a big deal of that. So imagine if this shit happened. Yeah, I, I, this shit would have trended. I can't believe that it didn't. Anyways, with the, the amount of the amount that we know about it now, I can't believe nothing ever came out at the time that really blew up. Oh, yeah, and Ric Flair, dude, man, he's a legend still to this day. We all celebrate him. Hey, him and his spinning dick. Spinny dick Rick. 
Woo! Ain't nothing like it. But this marks the end of the planned ride from hell. Following this, Scott Hall and Kurt Hennig were fired for their parts in the situation, in which Hennig died a few months later in 2003 via cocaine overdose. Goldust was also in hot water, but wasn't fired. Lesnar got out of it unscathed, along with Michael Hayes, and the WWE would later go on to settle out of court for sexual assault allegations against Ric Flair, which Flair still denies to this day. So how about that, right? Dude, I can't believe that uh, Scott Hall and Kurt Henning get fired, but Michael Hayes, who almost peed, allegedly, on Vince McMahon's wife, is like untouched he gets to stay <laughs> dude michael hayes you might even say that man is untouchable he okay i'll just tell some stories about michael hayes really quick michael hayes recently like in 2012 tw- might have been 2014 2015 maybe even 2016 he had he got faced he got suspended along with this one uh female wrestler Mo- rosa mendez or something like that it ended up like taking her suspension away but because, like, allegedly, something like he might have sexually assaulted her was the alleged thing or something. Let me look that up real real fast. But it is nice to know that there was some repercussions on them for what happened on this plane. Like, those two guys getting fired uh, and then Ric Flair having to go to court, at least initially, for what he did. What happened was Michael Hayes got suspended because... Uh, she was having substance, Rosa Mendez had substance abuse issues and they felt like, uh, Michael Hayes, who was the company's go-to guy for coming up with match layups and shit. He was spotted in the bar having drinks with her and even was having relations with her, which is kind of weird because like, you know, the power thing. And here's the best one. Woo. Let's get into the story. So Hayes was suspended for 60 days because he was a head writer in SmackDown in 2008, right? So Mark Henry, you know, the man who has won the World's Strongest Man Award, Michael Hayes, he's drunk, right? Everyone's hanging out. He goes up to Mark Henry, black male, and he tells Mark Henry, I'm more of an N-word than you are. (laughs) And then Mark Henry ate him. Remarkably, no. Like they separate, they pulled Mark Henry away because they knew ass whooping was coming. But he didn't use the n words you would think of. He used the n word with the er. No, that's about what I'd expect, actually. Ah, uh, yeah. All right, I can see that. Yeah, he he told him, "I'm more of a near." No, nobody with a with a ponytail ever says it with the a. It's always with the hard. Oh R yeah, the end. yeah, the hard R. So, and Michael Hayes still has a job to this day after that. Yeah, that's really surprising. Yeah. And that was 2008. So, Michael Hayes, man, he's like one of them roaches that won't get away. And then uh, there's several other people that have stories, like um, Patterson. He has a few, you know, stories about, like, in Young Boy Bottom that we won't get into. Oh, yikes. But, yeah, these some of these guys... They they get to go around for a while and never get, you know, never get suspended, even though they do a lot of risky, other people would say, fucked up shit. Well, maybe Michael Hayes has some info on Vince McMahon that's keeping him around. Hey, Steve Austin beat his wife. Stone Cold. You know? 
Yeah, he's stone cold. He stole cold, whooped her ass. But that's all I have for you all this week for Conspiracy Club. What are we talking about next week, doggy? Well, we're going to talk about the lost colony of Roanoke, which might sound less fun than I think it's going to be. Okay, I'm interested. It's very, you know, it's very all... history focused, but there's lots of crazy shit. If you liked Amir, especially if you liked the uh, the Donner Party episodes that we did a long time ago, then I think you might like these ones. All right, hey, I'm always down for that. Like I said, everyone knows like no motherfuckers left, but why? But uh, I will bid you all adieu now, once again, and enjoy this meeting. Tom, do our plugs, buddy. Well, you can join the club by following us on Instagram and Twitter at Tom and Demir, as well as by liking our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash conspiracy club. It's always good to follow us there. We like to post relevant information to the episodes, like pictures, uh, as well as just true crime, weird shit that's happening in the world. We like to post articles about that just to keep you guys in the loop about what's happening. Uh and then also, it's always nice if you guys enjoy Conspiracy Club that you leave a rate or review wherever you listen. It helps the show out a lot. And share with your friends. But like I always say, join the club. And damn, wrestling stories are too sweet. And food. But love you all. Oh no, I gotta say it like Hogan. Love you all, brother. Or sorry, Hogan would say, love you all, niggas. <laughs> oh, God. Ah! Oh, Hogan, you're such a racist. But, uh, love you all, brother. Stay pooped.